Welcome to another episode of Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley, and with me as usual is Derek Spech. Hello. What's up, Derek? Oh, I'm excited. It's another week of recording. I'm uh, looking forward to it. And you know what this is? Um, no. Show number 50, the <laughs> big five zero. Yes, you tried to convoluted explanation of two times 25 something or other. I'm not really sure what you're getting at there last week. Two times 25 is 50. But where'd you get the, yeah. And, and, and we started in the five second, times 10 is 50. We started in what the, the, the second month and it was on the 25th was our first show. So the second month times 25, two times 25 and today's our 50th show. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ask buddy. Don't so ask. It's all clear now. No, yeah. Now it's all clear. <laughs> So yeah, it's our uh, 50th show, and uh, yeah, it's been almost a year. Two more weeks, and we'll be doing this a year already. That's incredible. Isn't it? I didn't think we'd last that long. I know. <laughs> I believe I haven't killed you and buried you in my backyard I yet. I know, I know. I've yeah. made you mad a couple times. But uh, yeah, well, not for your lack of trying, though. So <laughs> keep it up, and uh, we'll see, we'll <laughs> we see where this cheese. takes us. <laughs> this may end up being a rodeo radio show about uh, how to kill people and bury them in your backyard. <laughs> Get away with it. That'd make a great podcast. So we got some, a few things to talk about this week. It has been one massively busy week this week. Not for me. Um, yeah, not for <laughs> you. You're a slack ass apparently. Hey, I'm a uh, sidekick. Yeah. I'm, I'm pulling up my role as a sidekick. No uh, responsibilities. There is a lot of things happening with the show, um, that we'll get into later in, in this episode. Uh, things that are going on with us. And but it's very exciting times, people. Very exciting times. Been a really, really big amount of work to get everything all all together. And uh, it's nice that it's actually starting to come together. So um, you brought something to my attention. We're going to kick off the show with this, though. Uh, we're talking about gear, as we always do. Because, you know, you, you look at the internet and you look at the catalogs and you go to Mountain Equipment Co-op and you go to Sale and all these other places, Cabela's and, and uh, Bass Pro, and you start looking at gear and I want this and I want that. Um, you were talking about the Century Club. Yes. You brought this to my attention, the Century Club. Uh, this is a bunch of companies that have been in business for over a hundred years. Now you're thinking it's 2017 now, 2017 now. So... These companies have been around since before 1917. Yes. I mean, that's like World War One. Yep. yep. Right? And and there's a few on the list that uh, have been in business for 199 years. That's, that, that's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I mean, like, wow. <laughs> now, all these uh, companies, they sent out... There was a list of, what did you say, like about 50 companies or something like that? Yeah, there's uh, there's no hard number that I could come up with. Uh, they, you know, people bandy around numbers and, and what the, the guy says, they've uh, come up with more than 50 outdoor brands. So, you know, more than 50, 51, I don't know. Anyways, <laughs> but there's a lot of outdoor brands that have withstood the test of time that they've made a product of such either high quality or in such a demand that the company was able to survive a century. Now, when it comes to outdoor gear, that's what you're looking for. It you're is. looking for stuff that's going to last you a long time. Yes. And if you don't have a product that's going to last people a long time when they put their money into it. You're not going to last a long time. No, absolutely not. And and I'm sure many people out there have come across, you know, like, I don't know, when, when I first started buying gear, you, you buy something and it, it immediately breaks or whatever. And there, there's a lot of gear out there. Like, and, and I think that's the, the manufacturing stage that we passed through in the 70s and 80s where the quality wasn't really the goal. It was to get a product out, not necessarily to make it last. Put something on the shelves and all that into the hands of the... Outdoors consumer. people yeah. and let them get out there and yeah. hopefully it works and, and unfortunately spend their money on higher stuff. There's a lot of products out there recently that just, that are, have become very frustrating to work with. You know, like a, a, a bad rain jacket, uh, you mm -hmm. know, a, a bad 
you know, a bad canoe or a bad paddle or whatever, you name it. And, uh, and then I came across this list and I, and I recognized quite a few names on the list and it's like, oh yeah, they've been around a long time. And there's a few products on this list that I, I've owned in the past and they, I can understand that they would stand the test of time. It's just one of those things. It's like, you just can't wear it out. Yeah. And I mean, some of them I've never heard of. Some of these companies. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I had to Google some of the names and say, they make what? (laughs) (laughs) And some are thinking, oh, I know that. And then you realize, oh no, their name is very similar to somebody else's. Um, but, and some of it, I mean, as far as our show with the, with the paddling theme goes, um, some of this stuff doesn't pertain. I mean, the very first one, the oldest one here, uh, Gravel? Gravel. Gravel, Gravel, Gravel. Yeah. Founded in 1818. They're 199 years old. Yeah. Incredible. Isn't that incredible? And and these guys, they make like really high-end climbing gear. So if you're going to climb Everest, your K2, you're going to climb any of these uh, huge summits, you're going to have this gear. If you're doing uh, these steep wall climbs, if you're doing anything, like if you're if you're into climbing, you use these guys' gear. Yeah. And I mean, it's <laughs> to be around for 199 years, they must know what they're doing by now. Yes. I would think. <laughs> but again, like that means that I would never have anything to do with that. But when you look at the next one on the list, 1826, petards. And that's one leather I had to gloves. Google. <laughs> um, you know, I remember my grandfather wearing leather gloves. And even now we wear the, we wear the, the work type gloves when you're playing with the fire that sort of stuff right so you don't burn your hands but uh yeah but i mean they're and they're more they do a line of women's purses they do a line of bags and stuff like that but they they're still doing leather gloves all these years later to stay relevant in an industry like everybody gets overrun or bought out or taken over or or you just become irrelevant but for a company if you can make leather gloves for 175 years you're yeah. doing something right. You must be. You right? must. Or you have a lot of leather laying around that you need to get rid of. <laughs> and you're selling it at dirt cheap prices. <laughs> um, the first one that is really relevant, 1830, Woolrich. Wool clothing, jackets, and socks. Yeah. And I remember growing up, there was stores called Woolrich's. Yeah, and the socks. Yeah. Always had the socks. Mm-hmm. Nice wool socks, heavy socks. Yeah. That kept your feet warm. Um, and there is a lot of stuff on this list, like that Johnson Woolen Mills, woolen shirts, jackets, and pants. And when you start looking at the, some of the stuff on their sites from way back when, it was all the outdoor flannel and wool and yes. sort of look to it, right? But it was, yeah, all woolen pants, shirts, yep. jackets, socks. And it makes sense. Like uh, back in the 1800s, this is when, you know, the Wild West and, and this, that, the other thing. So as people are moving out into other climates and you know migrating and moving west and whatever so they're needing these outdoor gears you know people you know uh lewis and clark and whatnot Mm -hmm. right so they're traveling these rivers and they need proper gear and so there's a lot of companies a lot of people that came into play to say i we can fill that niche we can we have a product that and these products because of what they came of came from they created a project that you know, it was required. It was stood the test of time and, and lasted. Yeah. Uh, the Orvis Company, 1856, mail order outfitter and longest continually operating fly fishing business. So I imagine a lot of people in, in like, uh, in the States, you know, a lot of these fly fishermen, like they would recognize They would the recognize the name. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I don't recognize it myself. Now this next one, Mammoth. Yes. That's one of the ones I'm thinking, oh, I know that name. I yeah, know that name. You've seen that, that name. name. You see it all around. Yeah. And and you just, yeah, mountain gear and clothing. Yeah. Right? Um, again, Pendleton with their wool blankets and clothes. Um, Heli Hansen. Yes. Uh, outdoor sports gear, foul weather fishing gear, sailing snow sports, um, and apparel. A lot of it is clothing, I'm finding. Yes. A lot of these older outdoor companies revolve around clothing. Uh-huh. Right. And especially the wool, the wool clothing. Oh, absolutely. Right. And I found it, what I found interesting is, is I, I, I spent some time this morning looking at, uh, Heli Hansen and Gravel. And it, what's interesting is the, like 
the development of the company, the development of their products, and like for Helly Hansen, they stay they they researched products and fabrics and whatever they were they were leading the wave of new product fabrics and insulating clothing and waterproof breathable layers way ahead of everybody else and mm-hmm. so that, that's how they stayed relevant they spent a lot of time research development producing proper clothing and so they ended up uh, producing like clothing for major expeditions and and uh, continental whatever like you know like uh, climbing teams and what so uh, it like they sponsor a lot of uh, boating regattas like sailing and it, it, they've stayed relevant within the industry by producing new textiles and and new ways of insulating warming waterproofing and a key thing is breathable fabrics and that's mm-hmm. how they stayed relevant and with uh, Gravel and Helly Hansen the two of them I what one of the things I noted was that they stayed family owned right up into the 2000s. Yeah. And what uh, Gravel was uh, bought out finally by a non-family organization in 2009. And Helly Hansen, oh, I can't remember the numbers that I f- was reading, but it was, I think it was 2000 and s- no, 1998 they were taken over, 2006 they were sold again, and 2011 they were sold again. Yeah. And I believe it's... Now I'll have to look this up, but I believe it's Helly Hansen is now t- owned 70% by the Ontario Teachers Federation. Is it really? Uh, well, let me look it up, but that's what I thought I read <laughs> because I was, uh, a, a few of them that I was looking at is what I, what I came across. So it was really interesting. Well, the next two that are on our list, Duluth Packs and, and who, Primus Stoves. And who hasn't heard of those? Who doesn't know those two? And they're over a hundred years old. Duluth Pack 1882. And Primus, 1892. I mean, you, anybody that goes out looking for a stove for their their canoe trips and whatnot, they're looking at MSR, they're looking at Primus. Yes. You know, the lightweight camping stoves, Primus. Primus has the ones that run on any fuels. You'll take them, um, you know, on your mountain climbing trips and stuff like that, right down to your regular old, you know, day trip and I'm going to have a shore lunch somewhere. Duluth packs. I mean, yeah, everybody knows the big leather packs. Uh, we saw them when we did our little jaunt over to um, the Canadian Outdoor Equipment Company store. Uh, there was uh, all those Duluth packs. They're heavy. They're uh, they'll weather a storm. They'll weather a nuclear war. I'm thinking. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know. But yeah, I mean, some of these companies, you, you know the name because they've been there forever. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, the next one, Brunton. Uh, I know them from their their compasses and their navigational gear. That's what they're they're known for is their navigational gear, especially the compasses. And I mean, you're looking at some of their stuff and navigational. Yeah, you're gear. looking like an eight hundred dollar compass. Yeah, you know that does everything Yikes. but pat you on the back for getting home. <laughs> right? Yeah. It, it's yeah. It's, some of this stuff is. But when you're looking at companies that have been around this long. And the type of gear that they're doing, it is going to be higher price stuff that you're looking mm-hmm. at. You know, I mean, they're, they're been around for this many years for a reason. It's because people trust the name and what they're throwing out there. Yes. So they're willing to pay that extra little bit more for it. Um, Kamek boots. That's more the, the, uh, winter thing that I would sort of be. This one here though, really threw us both for a <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Jelly Belly Candy Company. Um, 1898, of course, they're jelly beans. Everybody knows jelly beans. Yes, jelly bellies. They had a sports jelly bean, believe it or not. (laughs) Uh, A sports jelly bean to provide carbohydrates for fuel, electrolytes for fluid balance, and vitamins to protect muscles. So this would have been when people are, were attacking these high mountains back in the day and... Pop some jelly beans. Pop some jelly beans. This is like the superfood of the time, right? Isn't that awesome? Who says jelly, jelly bean candies are garbage and not good for you? <laughs> it's kind of surprising, kind of amazing. Uh, the next one is kind of an oddball one. Fox River Socks. Yes. You don't know the name. But. but. 
their trademark sort of thing is the woolen sock with the red heel. And you're sitting there thinking, well, I still don't know woolen, woolen sock with a red heel. Think of a sock monkey. That uh, is what they make sock monkeys, monkeys from. Yeah. Fox River Socks. And there you go. Now the light's lit. It's like, oh, yeah. Fun fact. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When I was, re- I was researching some of these things, and that's the thing that came up about Fox River Socks, is the red heel, and that's what they make the, yeah. the sock monkeys out of. That's too funny, eh? Yeah. <laughs> uh, another one on here, Tub Snowshoes, which I, I own Tub Snowshoes. Um, Rosignol. They're all, all alpine. Yeah. Snow uh, skis and stuff like Cross that. Cross country skis, skis. You have uh, downhill skis? Yeah, downhill yeah. skis. So it, it's, they make, they're pop, uh, they're known for their bindings and snowboard bindings and, and, and yeah, Nordic equipment and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, Bergens of Norway since 1908. Rucksack manufacturers, and you're a firm believer everybody should go back to calling them rucksacks. <laughs> <laughs> Sleeping bags, tents. In a growing collection of functional and also fashionable outdoor clothing. Again, a lot of these people are with the clothing. Yes. Um, but yeah, uh, rucksacks or backpacks, uh, tents and sleeping bags. You know, and like you say, they've been around since 1908. Yeah. You know, that's quite quite the while. And the next one, everybody knows this name, L.L. Bean, 1912, yep. clothing and outdoor recreation equipment. I'm from the Maritimes, so I used to go down, we used to cross-border shop in the Maine, and I used to buy L.L. Bean stuff all the time. Music, and yeah, you go down places and there's the uh, outlet stores now. Yes. Right? Yeah. Uh, the next one, Stanley. The only, We were wondering if it was like Stanley Tools and all that sort of stuff, but the only thing I could find relevant with Stanley was the Stanley All Steel Vacuum Bottle from 1913. So they were known for this vacuum bottle. Yeah, keep... which we would just call a thermos now, even though thermos yeah. is a brand name. Yes. But. Just uh, by any other name, you know, Kleenex and facial tissue. Skidoo. Skidoo, yes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the, the Stanley All Steel a Vacuum Bottle. Yeah. Uh, everything else seemed to be um, not really paddle related. A lot of snow stuff and, and whatnot. Yeah. But the, yeah, all the way up to 1916, Toko Ski Wax. Uh, so, I mean, if, if you're looking to buy gear... You're looking at some of these companies. Yes, absolutely. Because you want it to last. Yeah. And you want a, a company with a really good name that's been around forever. And I mean, <laughs> 200 years is pretty close to forever when you're it looking is. At, it is. at gear, right? Yeah. But with anything, and, and one thing that concerns me with, it's just the way the world's going nowadays with, uh, it, you know, somebody gets some money in their back pocket, they want to start buying out and they think they can improve a product or improve a company. So you, you see that... Uh, Gravel uh, climbing gear. It was uh, it was taken over in I think it was two thousand and nine, two thousand six, and I found the stuff on Helly Hansen. So Helly Hansen was initially acquired from the family in nineteen ninety seven, and then it was bought out by an investment company, and that investment company in twenty twelve sold a seventy five percent stake of Helly Hansen to the Ontario Teachers Pension Plan. Wow. So. Ontario Teachers Pension Plan owns seventy five percent of Helly Hansen, but it was till nineteen ninety seven. You say it was family run. Uh, that's what I found on online. So eighteen seventy seven to nineteen ninety seven. Yeah, it was family run. Yeah, wow. some form of family run. Yeah. It was never. It never changed hands. So somebody, either family or relative or something, the, some of it was just kept on carrying on, mm-hmm. carrying on, and it was never sold or taken over until ninety seven. Yeah, and I mean, I've, I noticed that with some of the other brands that we looked at were, were like that. They were family owned, um, continually until a certain point. Yeah, and then. All of a sudden, they were bought out, and that was like the uh, the Mammoth. Mammoth was okay. family owned, and then I think it was family owned, and then uh, all of a sudden, it's now part. Everything's the Mammoth Group. Okay, so of companies. it's a whole bunch of so it's a whole bunch of companies under this one umbrella. Companies under now. one yeah. umbrella, and that was one of the ones I was looking at. I'm thinking, I know Mammoth, I know what I, know. and then I'm thinking, oh no, that's Marmot Tents. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that's one of those ones. But yeah, you know what? If you're you're looking, look up the Century Club. Um, for all these companies and it's really, really something to see these. 
Now, do you have any particular gear that has lasted or from a company this long? Uh, my marmot tent has lasted forever. Like, uh, I've had tents in the past that, you know, they leak, they tear, the seams come apart. This marmot tent, this is the first time I've had a tent that I bought it in, in the spring of 2000. So I've been using this tent for 16, 17 years. Well, it's not bad. And it, it gets, it's, yeah, you mainly use it. It's a, it's a, it's considered a two plus tent or like you could never really fit three people in it. So it's, it's a smaller tent. So I use it a lot of for solo camping and me and my wife had gone in the, in the tent at my, with the two of us. But in the last couple of years, I've kind of migrated to hammocks, but it was, I've, it's seen a lot of use. So it's, and it's held up. There's like, it's the same tent as when I first bought it, except for some dirt stains and stuff like that. But everything, the seams and zippers, it's held up. And that's yeah. Marmot, right? So, but they're yeah. known. They're known yeah. as a strong company. Now, I've got a compass that I've been using since I was in Cub Scouts. That would be 40 80, years 90 now? years ago? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> 786 years ago? Uh, I'm not sure what brand it is. I should check that out. But you know what? I, when did Coleman come around? Because I remember Coleman gear when I was a kid. Yeah, I remember too. Always camping with the Coleman gear. Coleman lanterns. And yeah. Yeah. We've got to check that out, see when that came about. But that, uh-huh. that could potentially be one that's for the future 100-year group. Yes. So anyway, uh, yeah, I just found this really, really interesting that there's these companies out there that have been around, like I say, over, well over 100 years in most cases. And, uh, you know, they're still going today, you know, 101 years now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so check it out and, uh, yeah, Check some of your gear. If, if you're buying from these places, then chances are you're getting some, some pretty good gear and you're going to be happy with it for quite the long time to come, I'd be thinking. Oh, most likely. Alrighty. So let's take a uh, quick break here. And when we come back, we're going to talk about all the good things that we've been working on that uh, you guys might be interested in. You are listening to Paddling Adventures Radio on Reno Viola Outdoors. Do you enjoy getting on the water with a paddle in your hand? If so, this show's for you. Listen to Paddling Adventures Radio every Wednesday at 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. and see what's happening in the world of paddle sports. Paddling Adventures Radio. Whether you're close to home or far away, grab a paddle and get on the water. This portion of the show is brought to you by Algonquin Outfitters. Algonquin Outfitters providing quality Algonquin Park backcountry adventures for the entire family since 1961. Whether you want to get on the water for a day or a week, the friendly staff at Algonquin Outfitters can help you out. Find them online at algonquinoutfitters.com or visit one of their 12 locations. Algonquin Outfitters, your outdoor adventure store, with locations in Algonquin Park, Muskoka and Halliburton. Welcome back. And while we were on break, Derek did a little digging in regards to Coleman. Yes. Coleman has been around since? Since 1900. So it's in the 1900, or the, the 100 Club, the Century Club. It's in the Century Club too. And the, the list that we looked at initially, like the, like we said, there was over 50, and we, we only really collected information on about 31 of them so we missed initially missed some research on that one but yeah coleman has been around for 117 years yeah and i always thought it was a canadian company but it was an american it started as an american company yeah they just built stuff in canada for the uh he created yeah so he created a uh a, a construction base and factory and sales floor in toronto ontario in in after the depression mm-hmm 39, I think they said. I think so. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. So, so there you go. There you have it. He started out making lanterns. Surprise, surprise. And that's what uh, he's known for. That was in those green stoves with the red fronts on the front. Yes. Um, so things that are happening at Paddling Adventures Radio. Big updates, guys. Big updates. We're, we're almost a year old now and uh, we've been working on some changes since just before Christmas. Yeah. One of them is a brand new webpage. Yes. Our new webpage is up and running. Uh, paddlingadventuresradio.com. It's a lot different than our old, 
old, quickly put together one. This one's got a bit more to it. Yes, it's a very nice web page, I might add. Um, once we get in the swing of doing a couple of things, like I'm not really into blogs, but we've got a news page that we can update stuff. Uh, there's, um, you know, when we, we can put a little blog about the upcoming shows, uh, new, the shows when we add a new show to our episodes page. So if you've missed any episodes, um, of the past 49, cause this is 50, uh, you go to our website and on the episodes page, you will find all our previous shows. Yes. And you can just click on the ones you haven't heard and right there at the, in the middle of the page will be a green bar that you can click on and listen to it right from that web, uh, right from that web page. There's an out about page that you can find out about Derek, myself, and, uh, one of our guys, Kevin, um, who works well in behind the scenes with us sometimes. Uh, he's on there as well. So you can find out about Kevin. He's one of those guys that you don't know exist. Yes. Until we mention him. And but he's sort yeah. of the, the technical aspect. He's the web designer and, and whatnot. So. Yeah. Um, the news page, like I say, we'll find, we'll put a whole bunch of our new stuff on there. And uh, yeah, and there's a contact page. If you have any questions, you have any comments or anything, you, anything you want to hear us talk about on the show, just go to the contact page and drop us an email. Yeah. And it's all... All automatic, just type in what it says to type in and type in your questions or whatever and hit send and off it goes. Yes, so it would be interesting. Start listening to the earlier shows and and make note of how much we improved or maybe how much we didn't improve. But <laughs> Listen to show one, then listen to show 49. Yes, there's a marked difference. So like I, we both went back and listened to a few of the really early episodes. and Oh, cringeworthy. And <laughs> so maybe, maybe we shouldn't maybe link start those at, ones. Maybe start at show 48. Yes. <laughs> but, um, no, I mean, you know what? We both jumped into this with two feet, not knowing anything. And I think we've, we've come along pretty good in the, in the past year. And definitely from when we started to what we're doing now is leaps and bounds over it was what it oh, was a year absolutely. ago. Totally we're more different. comfortable on, on, on recording and stuff like that. So, well, and the alcohol we drink while we're recording well, really that helps, helps too, lot. doesn't it? It really, <laughs> it really does. You know? Yeah. So, um, so check out our new webpage, paddlingadventuresradio.com and uh, drop us a line and let us know what you think. That is item number one. Yes. Item number two. And I'm excited about this one. This one, this oh, this was a pain in the royal buttocks to get going. Um, I didn't find it a pain at all. Yeah, I know, because you just said, is it done yet? Is it done yet? Is it done yet? <laughs> I can't imagine the nightmare you had to go through to figure out the details of this. Oh, just some of the, the, some of the technical aspects of it, uh, because we've never done it before. Um, Kevin was a big help on this one, a really big help on this one. But all our... Our show, I mean, we, we started out, we're an online radio show on Reno Viola Outdoors, of course. Um, so you listen to us on Wednesdays, three times a day. You can listen to us, sorry, four times a day, because we're actually the midnight before. Yeah. Uh, and Sunday mornings, 4 a.m. till 5 a.m. Um, so we're, we're, like I say, a radio, online radio show. But we've got all these episodes and we decided, you know what? We're also a podcast. So we are now on iTunes. iTunes. How exciting is that? Oh my God, what a nightmare. But but how exciting is that? That's pretty cool. We're now on iTunes. Yeah. We have a podcast. And yeah, so all you have to do is open po- uh, uh, iTunes, go into podcast, or actually just go into the, the, the main page and hit search. Um, search for Paddling Adventures Radio. And we're right there. We're the only one called Paddling Adventures Radio. And not there's a couple other like specific, a uh, couple kayaking ones that deal with kayaking in Hawaii. Yes. Uh, stand up paddle boarding in New Zealand, that sort of stuff. But we're the only ones that seem to be a podcast that deals with all of it anywhere. Yeah. Paddle boards, rafts, that, and canoes, kayaks, we're, all we're of it. in a niche of and, our own. Yeah. We're, we like it all equally. Not like those others. <laughs> <laughs> now, if you go and look us up on iTunes, you can do it on Android or a PC computer. It's obviously a lot easier on an Apple, 
But uh, it is possible to do it on a PC. I've done it. Uh, I've tested it on my uh, work computer. Or I've tested it on my phone. So it can be done, but it's uh, it's a bit of a learning curve to to get around it. You can find links and you can link to the podcast itself. But it's it's uh, I'm sure people know a lot more than me about the inner workings of how to make it work outside of the Apple platform. But it does work best on Apple. Yeah, uh, there's a link on our web, or well, our, it'll be on our website. There's a, it, it is on our website. Uh, there's also a link on our Facebook page. Um, you'll see our, the picture there, and it says, we are now on iTunes uh, podcast. It's our Paddling Adventures radio logo with big black letters saying, uh, we're on iTunes now. And if you look in the description underneath, there's actually a, a link that you can click, and it comes up in uh firefox or safari or whatever yes whatever you're using these days and you can actually listen to it from there as well yes you can and um, that works that that link does work well with a pc computer it doesn't yeah. work so well with an android phone i've tried it uh, and i've had somebody at work try it but it uh so it it's kind of wonky but a, a mobile platform is very limited in its use yeah so check us out on itunes uh like i said just go to itunes check out paddling adventures radio Subscribe. I can say that now. Subscribe. <laughs> uh, if you know anybody that is into it uh, or hasn't heard our show, then pass the link off to them and tell them to subscribe and pass it off and there subscribe and pass it. Subscribe. It's my word of the day. <laughs> <laughs> so item number two, which we're excited about, is we're now on iTunes. So new web page and we're on iTunes. The next two, I don't know which one I'm more excited about or nervous about <laughs> or nervous about yeah we've always heard about this time time of year getting up uh, is the real paddling film festival yes well we did a couple little um put our feelers out there and asked a couple of questions and a couple of more questions tuesday march 21st at the tap and tankard on brock street in whitby we will be hosting the Real Paddling Film Festival. Um, joining us will be, of course, the Tap and Tankard, but Five Paddles Brewing Company uh, are going to join us. And, of course, they've got their their beers on tap at the Tap and Tankard. Yes. So we sort of combined with all three of us to, uh, you know, beers and, and f- films. Yes, we're, right? very, we're very excited about this partnership. Uh, it, uh, has a little legitimacy to it. So it's, we're very happy that, uh, we're able to work this partnership with, uh, the tap and tankard and with uh, five paddles. It's very exciting. And we chose five paddles for an obvious reason. Obviously. Paddles. Beer and paddles. Paddles, beer, (laughs) paddles. (laughs) So, uh, again, on our webpage and our Facebook page. Um, you can find information on where to get tickets. Tickets are $15 each. Um, check out where all the information is, is there. You can get tickets at Eventbrite and Five Paddles will be selling, selling them, them eventually as well. At their outlet. Um, at, at the actual, yeah, their actual store. Uh, so you can go there, buy a ticket, buy some beer to take home, that sort of stuff. Yep. But check out our Facebook page and check out our website for all the information uh, on where to get tickets and where it all is, the times, uh, the whole meal deal. Um, Real Paddling Film Festival, I've I've been to a couple of them, and just some of the, the, the films that they're shown are, are really cool, really good stuff. And we're hoping to make it from 7 p.m. till midnight, so that's a lot of... Um, a lot of films to be to be watching during that five hours. We're hoping to get a couple people show up that uh, were still in the works. Um, a couple of guests and stuff like that. We're going to have a couple of giveaways and that sort of thing. So check it out and hopefully we'll see everybody there. And that brings us to our last... Last item. Item of things that are happening with Paddling Adventures Radio. Radio. The 6th Annual Kitchener-Waterloo Canoe Symposium. Um, I missed the first year because I couldn't get there. The second year, I was actually a presenter. I did uh, Woodland Caribou Provincial Park. I uh, talked about canoe tripping through Woodland Caribou. Um, and yeah, I haven't missed a single one since. Uh, it's a good time. They've always got interesting people talking, everything canoeing, um, canoe tripping and parks and stuff like that. Uh, Saturday, April 8th from 9.30 a.m. till 3.30 p.m. 
It's a good thing it's not 9.30 at night till 3 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> and again, it's it's in uh, Kitchener, Waterloo at the Twin Princess Twin Cinemas. Uh, we'll have information on our page, uh, website and, and Facebook page on on the show and maybe the, the symposium and where you can get tickets and all the information, where, when, all that sort of stuff. Um, Derek and I are actually sponsors this year for Paddling Adventures Radio. We'll be sponsoring the uh, Canoe Symposium. So as such, if you show up there, look for us. We will be there. Yep. We might actually have a table. I'm going to think we can get a little table to sit behind, like all official-like. I'll cobble something together out of uh, two-by-fours and plywood. A couple of milk crates and a concrete brick. Um, yeah, come out and see us and say hello and let us know you, that you're listening to our show. Uh, but it does look like David Bain has put together another, another decent lineup, very interesting things. Actually, <laughs> three of them we've already, uh, or two of them we've talked about on our show before. Yes. Uh, two of these people. One of them's actually two of them are, are, are very interesting to me. Uh, the first one, Jeff McCall. Um, he's going to be talking about... The QE2, the Queen Elizabeth II, Wildlands Provincial Park, yes. which is northeast of Aurelia. He's been uh, canoeing there since the 60s. So he knows a lot about the area. He's got a lot of tics, tips and and whatnot from old timers from the area and, and whatnot. So he's going to be talking about uh, this provincial park and where it may be headed and what you can see when you, if you decide to go there. And surprisingly, it's not a very well-known park. No, it's, it's not at all. It seems to have gone under people's radar. And so it should, it's good. It's going to prove interesting to hear him talk about the QE2 Wildlands Provincial Park. Yep. It's, uh, it's, it, for many years, it was a non-working park and recently they've gone through the effort of making it into a full blown working park. And he's been going there forever. And now that it is a full blown park, he's still going. Yes. And he's going to impart his wisdom upon us. I look forward to that. The next one, which I'm looking forward to, Angus Simpson, uh, grew up northeast of Scotland, grew up, sorry, in the northeast of Scotland, northeast of Scotland, huh? Um, <laughs> he's, he spent a lot of time in the woods and whatnot as a, as a kid. And when he moved to Canada, he moved to Northern Ontario, he met a fellow by the name of Tom Byers and Tom Byers spent a lot of time and taught Angus how to build birch bark canoes. So Angus Simpson, he's going to basically tell us the story of building a birch bark canoe uh, from construction to use on a wilderness trip. <laughs> now we've watched on the um, uh, National Film Board of Canada, Caesar's birch yes. bark canoe. We watched yes. that the one time. And a basically a fellow made this birch bark canoe from yep. scratch. Well, it sounds like he's going to do the same. It's really interesting. I think it's a lost art. Uh, Drew Chernick. We talked about him on our show uh, back in the spring. It was a long time ago. It was ago. a long time ago. Yes. The year was 1900. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, Drew is the one that spent a lot of time in Algonquin Park um, as a... Uh, as a teenager, teenager, he grew up and, and he yeah. did, did he do guiding? I think he did guiding, but he did summer a lot camps. of trips, summer camps. Um, and then he got away from it for yeah. a decade or two. And Well, he realized that he hadn't seen as much as the park as he'd liked. So this past year, he set a goal to paddle 100 lakes in 100 days, which he did. Yes. And he's going to be there to talk about 100 lakes in 100 days. And it'll be nice to uh, get a little follow-up on all that. Another fellow we've talked about that's going to be there, Jim Baird, also known as Jim Baird the Adventurer. Uh, we've talked about him, uh, theadventurer.ca, his website yep. and whatnot. And the big one with you that you like him for is the Yungava he's, Peninsula. He's crossed. Now, I don't, I, I really don't understand the craziness that resides in some people, but him and his dog crossed the Yungava Peninsula in the middle of winter. Yep. Him and Buck. Him and Buck. Um, so they're not really sure what he's going to talk about because <laughs> he's done so many things. He's done that, uh, solo down the Kesagami, Kesagami, Kesagami River. Sure. Um, <laughs> I can never remember how to pronounce that. Uh, he's been along James Bay, 800 mile snowmobile trip across the Northwest Passage. Um, a couple of 
massive rivers uh, down in the Northwest Territories, 120 kilometers paddling on the Arctic Ocean, 33-day canoe expedition on four rivers uh, in Quebec and Labrador. He's got so many things that we don't know what he's going to talk about. <laughs> so definitely want to hear that. It's it's I've talked with him a couple of times in that and via emails and such, and uh, it'd be nice to actually meet him in person. Um, the last one is, is really cool because I do this sort of thing. Steven Orlando, anybody who's been on the internet in the last year has probably seen his light painting photographs. Oh yes. They yes, put yes. the uh, LED lights on the kayak paddle and then paddled. Yeah. And the regular paddle and paddle. And he caught it on film, the, the light trails. Yeah. I mean, I do all that. There's, I've got tons of it on my website. The photos I've done, I do the photo spin, the, the fire spinning. You've yeah. helped me with that sort yes. of stuff. Uh, so, I mean, that's, that's really interesting to me. So he's going to do a little live presentation or demonstration on how to do these photos, uh, which will be cool. Um, and I, I'm waiting to hear from him. So that'll be really neat if, if everybody wants to find out how exactly those photos were done. Uh, he'll be there to check it out. That's Stephen Orlando. And last but not least, because he's always got a musical guest, the Tumpline Symphony Orchestra will be the musical presentation of the day. Uh, I've never heard of them. I've heard of a tump line. <laughs> I've heard of a symphony and I've heard of an orchestra. <laughs> That's all I'm going with that one. Two times 25 is 50, buddy. <laughs> so definitely check out. Now we've said, said it before. We've said it a whole bunch of times. Um, the Kitchener Waterloo Canoe Symposium sells out Fast. Yes, it does. It's and very popular. Every year, people are sitting there going, "Oh, can I get tickets? No. Can I buy them at the door? No. Sold out. Yeah, really fast. So if you're going to get tickets, get them now. And you got something? Yes, I I, I misrepresented QE2 Wildlands. So it is still a non-operating park. So the QE2 Wildlands Park is a is a non-operating park. It, there's no maintained public facilities or services. Visitors should be prepared to use appropriate route finding and safety practices as interior travel beyond access points requires navigating in remote semi-wilderness environments. No. So I'm, I'm glad I looked that up because I thought they were a working park now because I've seen a lot of people start to use it. Uh, I've seen a lot of uh, guys going and camping and hearing about their trips there. I haven't gone myself. But, so I thought it was a working park now, but it's See, not. I'm thinking it's becoming a bit more popular because Algonquin Park is so packed. It, yeah, it is. And this is more wild than It definitely than is a wild park. It is. Yeah. So. It was established in 2002. Excellent. So those are four new things that are happening at Paddling Adventures Radio. I say it's been busy, 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 busy. Our new website, paddlingadventuresradio.com. Please check it out iTunes, check out our podcast, subscribe, share, let people know. Real Paddling Film Festival. Come and meet us, come and check us out, have a couple of drinks, and uh, watch uh, some really good films. Because, uh, like I say, we've, we've seen a couple of them and uh, the clips of them, and <laughs> some like some really good ones. We're very and excited to host that this year. I'm really excited to, hope that, uh, to host that. And the 6th Annual Kitchener-Waterloo Canoe Symposium. I'm really happy to be able to help David Bain out as a... Uh, it's nice to be part of that. Uh, yeah, as, as, a, as a sponsor of the, the symposium this year. So check it all out, and hopefully we'll meet up with everybody at some point and you can come up and say hi to us. Uh, Derek, how do, I, how do we describe you? Derek will be with Derek will be next to the guy with the big beard. <laughs> I'm the good-looking guy. <laughs> yeah, we'll go with that. Um, okay, so let's take a quick uh, quick break, and we'll be back right after this. You are listening to Paddling Adventures Radio on Reno Viola Outdoors. Do you enjoy getting on the water with a paddle in your hand? If so, this show's for you. Listen to Paddling Adventures Radio every Wednesday at 6 a.m. and 6 p.m and see what's happening in the world of paddle sports. Paddling Adventures Radio. Whether you're close to home or far away, grab a paddle and get on the water. Fishing, hunting, boating, and the rest of the great outdoors 24-7, 365 on Reno Viola Outdoors Radio. Download the free Reno Viola's Outdoor Radio app or visit wrvoradio.com online. 
Welcome back, uh, Derek. There's one more thing I'd like to finish the show on. It's something a bit different and something for people to think about while they're uh, deciding what they're going to do for their summer trips. Um, we talk about going on our canoe trips all the time and we've talked about taking the kayak up and down the coasts and stuff like that. It's not, you don't really portage with them, but you can, that sort of thing. Tripping with a stand-up paddleboard. Yes, and... I'm, I'm interested in this. I've, I want to do this, but now you did the research, so you're going to have to answer some questions for me. I'm not answering questions for you. <laughs> <laughs> Screw that. <laughs> so yeah, I, I came across this and talking about it and thinking about it and looking stuff up and, and people are actually doing this. Um, cause when you think of stand up paddleboard, you don't think of overnight camping trips really. No, it's, uh. Well, it's just the gear aspect yeah. of it that I'm curious about. And I've seen pictures of people on stand-up paddle boards with, you're loaded down on the balance of the stand-up paddle board with gear. But it's just, I what would make me nervous about it is the fact that you're always standing up. That, but you really have to go, in research I've, I've done, you've really got to go with a minimalist mindset. Oh, absolutely. Uh, first off, you're looking at lakes and rivers, um, with very little to no obstacles, you know, you're not, you're not going around rapids, stuff like that. Not there may be some swifts and stuff like that. Um, coastlines along the oceans and, and stuff would be perfect. You know, if, if you know that there's good spots where you can stop yeah. and that's, that's a big thing. Um, you definitely need to know how fast you can paddle and the type of difference you can, you can cover because yeah, you're going to be standing up a lot. Um, well, the entire time you're paddling, you're going to be standing up. You're going to be pushing a, a, across, um, all this gear. Yeah. You know, a couple, couple of backpacks worth of gear. So not just a normal everyday, there's nothing on my paddleboard sort of deal. So you really got to look at where you're going to go. You need a larger board, uh, with that stable enough to carry your gear, uh, with tie down spots. Oh, absolutely. Not, not just little dinky straps. You want to be able to tie your gear down because if you do hit wind and waves. You don't want your stuff. You don't want your stuff going over. Flopping over the yeah. side. Exactly. Because that, that takes away, all of a sudden you got to start fishing stuff out. Of course, it's going to yeah. float, but yeah. you know, you got to start fishing stuff out. And if that happens four or five times, that's a lot of, a, a lot of time gone. And the stability of a stand-up paddleboard, I guess, depending on like, the, and we went through the, uh, the aspects of a, of purchasing one, like for you know, for sport or for recreational stand-up paddle boards, how, you know, the, the shorter, stubbier ones are more stable with flatter bottoms or wider and yeah. something for more speed or longer, narrower, but they're not, they don't have the stability factor. So it, you'd, you'd want something that's going to be stable, something you can tie gear to. And uh, for inclement weather, it would make me nervous. It's, I don't think this is something that you're just going to go out and buy and do. I think this is something you're going to, you're going to spend a summer doing some day trips and yeah. then maybe. You, de the you definitely have to get uh, into the swing of it, do some practice. Exactly. Practice you got to get your stuff. feet into it. You got to get your head around it. Yeah. And, and as I've said, you're not going to be able to load the thing down like you would a canoe. I mean, with all your gear and, and, and everything like that, you got to go with a minimalist mentality at it all. Um, a small, light sleeping bag, possibly a solo tent. Yes. You know, um, a, 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 a small stove, basic cooking gear. You're not bringing all of it. F the food you need, if, if dehydrated food's better, that sort of thing. Water filter, clothes, pair of shoes to wear around camp. Uh, you definitely want some good footwear for standing all day. Uh, as you paddle, you want a hat because if you're standing in that yeah. sun all day paddling, yeah. don't forget your sunscreen as well. Yeah. Um, you're, you'd be very exposed. Yeah. And I mean, you got your PFD, so there's pockets. You can put some little yeah. things, granola bars and, and lighters and stuff like that and, and that sort of stuff. Um, so yeah, you know what? You can get away with it. You'll have some of the stuff in front of you on the nose of the, the board and some behind you, you know, cause you don't want everything behind you cause then the nose goes up. No, and you're, yeah, exactly. You need to balance out the load. You're just a, a, a sail. You're going right? to be doing it just like you would a, a kayak or a canoe. You're, yeah. you're balancing your weight, moving stuff around to make sure you have a, a, the balance just right. Yep. Um, so one, yeah, I mean, once you figure out where you're going to go and where, you know, your board, like you say, the, the wider 
sturdier board and you got all your gear into, you know, just a couple packs, um, front and back sort of thing. And everything's all evened out and you got all ready to go. You got to plan your route. And like I say, the route will all be based on stuff you've done before. Yeah. Um, if you plan on doing a backcountry route, you got to choose a route that's not going to require long days and long distance because wind comes up all of a sudden you're, you're stuck. You have to plan your camp stops according to your paddling speed and the route you choose is going to be shorter than if you were canoe tripping. You got to watch the weather, the wind, the waves, the rain all has effect on your speed and distance. And that's the biggest thing about all of this. So you know what, if you got a paddle board, think about going on overnighters or a few day trips, just load it up properly, yeah. take a couple of, of day trips with your gear and, and give it a whirl. And yeah. I, th I think, uh, people would be very impressed on what they could do with a whole new aspect. So that's all I've got to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be nervous doing it. I, I would be. Um, well, you know what, for our 50th show, we've co covered a lot of things here and, uh, yeah, it's, you know, uh, talking about all these brands that were out there. and Brands. All the fun stuff happening here. The like growing said, of Paddling Adventures Radio. Paddling Adventures Radio, yep. The Branching we're doing. out. Uh, like I say, check us out on Facebook. Check us out at paddlingadventuresradio.com. Check us out on Instagram. Check us out on Twitter. Yes, I'm tweeting now. Just, I'm, I'm just starting. <laughs> I'm getting to <laughs> he's, it. He's getting there. So... I thank everybody for listening this week. And until next week, I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Derek Sprecht. We'll see you next time.